morning. Oh, that's hot. It's an exciting day, hey? Are you nervous? A little bit? Let's just welcome Jeff and Raven again. Let's just say hello. First day on the job. So this morning, we are back in the story of Revelation. And if you, again, like every other time, if you want to close your eyes, you are welcome to do that. If you want to uh, follow along, you can. Uh, This is basically coming from Revelation 19, near the end of the story. But where where we left off last week with the story, if you weren't here, is this beast on the sea. The edge of the sea and the dragon has given its power to the beast. I just want you to go back to that scene. But I want you to imagine, actually, that John now is standing, his feet are planted on hot sand. And he can feel the grains in his toes. And he can feel the heat emanating from the earth. And as John opens his eyes, all he sees is orange, thick, Smoke swirling around him. It tastes of char and soot. And he can hear voices and footsteps and movements and activity. And he can see what he thinks is flame flickering in the distance. But he's trapped in this thick, dark, orange smoke and he's walking through it and he's pushing past and he's moving towards some place out and as he gets further and further the smoke begins to clear and lift and what's in front of him is what I think one of the most difficult things for him to describe originally in the beginning he was told to write what he sees to take it to memory to put it to imagination and pen it down But this, what John is seeing, is maybe the most disturbing and difficult thing for him to write. We're standing right in front of him, a mountainous mound that is the beast. No longer standing at the the seashore, the beast is now kind of sitting Nestled, wedged, embedded in the earth itself. Its arms stretched from horizon to horizon. As if it's it's a wall, a gated wall. And at first, John, it it takes his breath away because he can't quite tell what he's looking at. but, But he can see the seven heads on the top of the broad shoulders. And he can see the adorned shields and gold embedded in this beast's arms and body. And his arms and his shoulders are now kind of glistening marble white. He's, it's changed its shape. It looks to John like a fortress, a city, a gated city. And the heads on the top with their ten crowns, they're, they're always looking about, not desperately, but they're gazing for people who dissent. And the little beast is on the shoulder, still blaspheming, still performing tricks. And all around the beast is desolate. 
a wasteland. John also sees that there are lines coming in every direction towards the beast's belly. The lines are made up of people. And the people are expressionless. They're faceless. They're blank. They're indistinguishable one from the other. They're different sizes of different heights and different builds, but you couldn't tell who they are. They're nameless, except for the mark embedded on their forehead, the mark of the beast. And they're all moving towards the direction of the beast, and in their hands are all kinds of goods. Some are carrying grain, some are carrying linen, some are carrying leather, some are carrying wood and timber. Some are carrying rocks and metals, and they're all walking in a line towards the belly of the beast and laying their goods, their tribute, at its stomach. And the beast eats, consumes everything that they give. And there's other, another line kind of to John's left and, the, and right. And he can see one of the lines is moving towards the beast. The other is moving away from the beast. It's a line of soldiers. Red, tattered, armor, chinked, worn, battle-hardened soldiers. Like the line of people, their faces are blank, expressionless, indistinguishable from the next, gruff and scarred of varying sizes, but nameless, except for the mark of the beast on their hand. And they're carrying in their one hand their weapon of choice, a shield, a sword, a spear, and in the other, loot from conquered tribes, gold from sacked treasuries, and even some have heads of their enemies. And they are marching step by step by step a machine of feet, crushing the bones of their enemies as they walk towards the beast and lay their goods at its belly. And the beast eats, feasts on the conquered. It lets out a grumbling laugh. It's settled, it's fat, it's strong. And the line of soldiers moves down and when they have laid their goods at its belly. The lion moves back out, searching for more tribes and people to conquer. John is watching this scene, and he's looking around the wasteland that was God's good earth, a land that he remembers seeing trees and lush gardens and fruit and groves. Now, brown and black and charred and trees that stood tall are now stumps like an expanse of tombs as far as the eye can see and in John's heart he is broken what has happened to God's good earth what has happened to his people and he begins to cry. But a messenger comes to his side and says, actually, actually, John, it's, it's worse than you think. Look. The messenger points to the top of the beast and on top of the crowns, and John can hardly believe that he didn't see it before, but on the top of this beast is a woman. She's beautiful. 
adorned in the finest linens and jewels. Her hair is long and flowing. She has an expression that's hard to look away from. And the angel says, look, it's Babylon, the temptress. And John can see that actually this line of people is snaking its way up the beast to see this woman. And when they arrive, they're greeted with smiles and laughter and wine and good feelings and emotions. And, and the people at the top where they've met her are entranced by her beauty and her power. It's much worse than John thinks. He actually forgets for a moment what he's looking at because she is so alluring. But he sees, no, actually, there's a collar on her neck. And the collar is black and it's actually a chain that cascades down the back of the beast. And John follows the chain to the dragon. The chain is in the dragon's mouth. And there's a second chain that is actually tied to the ankle of the beast. The dragon is prowling about with chains in mouth, teeth bore, relaxed. And John realizes in this moment that Babylon, the city, and the people are enslaved. The whole world enslaved to the power of the dragon. The whole world lost. Now John feels the impact of what he sees. This is disastrous. This is the most awful thing he could have imagined. God's good earth and God's good creatures lost to the power of the dragon. And the world begins to fade to black. And then suddenly, John hears the sound of a mighty waterfall, and it's coming above him and below him and beside him to his left and his right, and it's all around him, and it's a song, a chorus of singers shaking the universe, their song, they're shouting out in praise, hallelujah, the master reigns. Hallelujah, welcome to the feast of the Lamb. And John looks up and he can see the chorus. He can see the music pouring out and he looks into the sky and he sees a slit in the night sky, the black cut by a white hot sword. And he sees the hole in the sky and he sees the light emanating out. And he gets a glimpse of the heavens, of the throne room of God, and there, in the slit of the night sky, he sees a white horse and his rider. The rider named Faithful and True judges and makes war in pure righteousness. His eyes are a blaze of fire on his head, many crowns. He has a name inscribed that's known only to himself. He is dressed in a robe soaked with blood. And he is addressed as Word of God. 
The armies of heaven, mounted on white horses and dressed in dazzling white linen, follow him. A sharp sword comes out of his mouth. And he treads the winepress, raging wrath of God, the sovereign strong. And on his robe and thigh is written, King of kings, Lord of lords. John, his mouth drops as he sees in the sky the horse and the rider. Jesus, John says. Jesus like he's never seen Jesus before. And the moment that sky opens up, and the moment the horse and its rider is visible, the dragon begins to pace and pant. It drops its chains, it starts to scream and shriek, and it calls the world to war. And in moments, you can hear the trumpet blasts come from the distance, and you can feel the rumble of the drums shaking the earth, and the armies of the kings of the nations of the world gather at the feet of the beast. And every tribe and color and stripe, and every weapon imaginable, and every blank face that's paid itself tribute to the beast is present. And the dragon is pacing up and down the line, drumming up hate, screaming obscenities. Do not fail me now, the dragon says. Do not fail me. The white rider stares down, sword out of its mouth in hand, its eyes ablaze, fixed on one thing, the dragon. An angel of God stands to the right of the rider and says, feast, feast at this supper. And the trumpet blasts and the two armies go to war. The dragon shrieks and claws its way to the sky. The beast shakes and wakes itself up. Arms huge, strong, thumping. The temptress falls off and rushes. And all of the armies of earth run towards the rider. But it is coming down from the heavens faster and faster, truer and faster, sword drawn, slaying. It takes only a moment. You could hardly call it a battle. It's finished before it even begins. The armies of the world are laid waste by the sword of the rider. The beast and the little beast are captured and thrown into the lake of fire. And the dragon is now chained, bound and held and captured. And the temptress is crushed and defeated. The white, ride, the, the, the white horse and his rider are victorious. And the war is over. The story of the Revelation is a story of Christ's victory 
that in the face of empire, in the face of gluttony and greed and immorality and all the things that we as people fall prey to, the enslavement of the Satan, the accuser, all the ways he has bound us up, Christ is victorious. He has already defeated this dragon. He will come again and defeat this dragon forever. And he invites us to be a part of his army. To resist the dragon and to trust the lamb. To resist the dragon, resist the beast, resist Babylon and trust the rider, the lamb, Jesus Christ. In a moment, we're going to invite Jeff and Raven up uh, for the installation part of this story. But before we do, we're going to sing one more song. Before we do, let's, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you are truth, that you are justice, that you are mercy, that you are grace, that you are judge. We thank you that even the most powerful evil on this earth, with the thickest chains of bondage, are no match to you. That your sword of truth that your heart of purity, your, your righteous war against evil is over before it begins because you are the one, you're the king of kings, the Lord of lords, who's reigned before time and forever. Jesus, we thank you that the invitation into your kingdom is one not of coercion and bribery, not of enslavement, but one of freedom that we become the most ourselves when we bear your image, that we become the most loving versions of ourselves when we follow you and take your mark. And so, Jesus, may we be courageous. May we follow the promptings of your Spirit. May we follow you into the battles of our life and time and culture. May we trust you, the lamb, and resist the dragon. And we thank you that you have been doing this work for so, so long, and that we get to join you in it. Thank you for these things in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Blue Mountain Community Church Podcast. May God's word fill you up this week. God bless.